What's good, my good gamers? Welcome to the very fifth episode of Hand to Hand, Heart to Heart, the fighting game podcast that knows where you like to be hit, but will wait to hit you there until the time is right. Our theme song was written by the lovely Hazel, whose other work you can find at twitter.com slash twinkleparks. As ever, I am Curly, and this is my co-host, Armour. Hey, Curly. Welcome back. Thank you. How are you doing? What have we been up to? We've been... It seems like we've both been pretty busy. Yeah, we've had a, we've had stuff on. So uh, I guess I was going to talk about how I haven't played or been to locals for a couple of weeks because uh, I've been too busy making a big long video about fighting games. Uh, I mentioned this on another show I was on recently, but uh, for the past nine months or whatever, every time someone has asked me what I'm doing, I've signed off with, well, I used to make YouTube videos, but now I don't <laughs> anymore. Uh, and I finally made the YouTube video I've been joking about making for almost an entire year uh you can find that yeah. on my youtube channel which i will link in the front matter it's about fighting games so if you listen to this podcast there's a decent chance that you'll like it there's also a decent chance you will have seen it already but don't worry about it <laughs> seems like it's got a pretty good response yeah people seem to like it i uh because that stuff uh, shreds my brain, I haven't really looked at the analytics, but uh, I read all the comments, and the comments have been very, very nice. People said very nice things about it, and that's that's good, because uh, it shredded my brain to pieces to make, so uh, yeah. it, was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. When you put that much effort into something, it's nice to yeah. see that somebody responds to it. Yeah, right, exactly. And, uh, uh, you know... Watch it while you can, because apparently uh, YouTube are going to start closing down channels that aren't economically viable. So, you know, what does that even mean? God, I I doubt I doubt anyone who wrote that document has any fucking idea what it means. But you know, they wrote it anyway. So yeah. But, uh, so uh, your you, your YouTube will be dead. Mine will be dead. You'll yeah. never be able to see videos of us playing on the internet again. Yeah, pretty much. Like uh, <laughs> unless you know someone can like hurry up and nationalize it like it deserves. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so the video is uh, it's a documentary about one of the most important moments in the history of competitive fighting games, and I guess I would say that one of the most important moments it, that led to the you know widespread public consideration that video games could ever be spectator sports. It's it's that. So yeah, Lincoln. Yeah, you're making it there. sound a lot more dry than the video is. <laughs> <laughs> it's you're right. I believe you described it to me as your, like, ultimate shitpost. <laughs> yeah. People have variously described it as an extremely emotional and, uh, like, powerful piece and an extremely well-crafted shitpost. So, like, yeah, a John, <laughs> a John Boy's yeah. sports document style shitpost. Pretty much, yeah. Some people seem unsure whether it's, like, 100% serious or like deeply tongue in cheek and like everything else I've written it's both. Both. So. Yeah. <laughs> you started you started that channel with Ape Escape and Communist. Yeah, theory. exactly. Like that's uh that's that's just my my whole shtick now. It's like very sincerely believing the dumbest shit in the world. That's me. That's my <laughs> that's my bit. Uh I'm right there with you. All right, so what else has been happening in the world? You Tell me what you've been doing. You've been doing some cool stuff. Have I? Yeah, I guess. I'm building another arcade stick. Hell yeah. Welcome to Hand to Hand, Heart to Heart, where we are just on our bullshit all the goddamn time. Every week, I'm going to come, every two weeks, I'm back here, and you're like, Amr, what did you build this time? What have you wasted your money on? <laughs> I saw a cool game controller the other day and shared it. I'm like, this would be really cool. 
and you rightfully called me out <laughs> saying, <laughs> I can't wait to see the video where you build one. <laughs> and lo and behold, my recommendations are full of keyboard building videos. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. No, but I, I'm just building a regular hitbox now. Somebody actually sent me, um, Junk Food Arcades actually sent me a review unit. So I've been, for the last couple of months, building up a, a Knuckles Chaotix style okay. hitbox. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, seen, I've seen the art for this. It looks very, very good. Yeah. We'll, we'll link um, to that too in the, uh, in the podcast notes. Yeah. It doesn't, um, right now they actually had to send me a different top for the case because it turns out i was like the first person to put artwork on it hmm. and it doesn't quite work with the screen buttons i have um but it seems nice so far and i okay. guess i'll have some yeah, final yeah. thoughts at some point in the future but oh, yeah, Stay tuned yeah i styled it after the japanese manual which has this like very nice yellow like uh like high contrast colors and hmm. um black aesthetic like okay. very graphic design yeah it's really cool. cool. It's amazing. Like, when you compare it to the English Sonic art, as usual, it's just like, wow, why did you, why did you get rid of all these incredible flat <laughs> geo... Like, it's just full of that same incredible flat geometry. And, like, yeah, you know, yeah. There are just shapes everywhere, and it looks cool. Yeah. It's pretty dope. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, so that nice. worked out pretty well from the art. Um, I'm trying to go back to, actually, Monday Locals, because there's Mondays and Thursdays here. Mm-hmm. in chicago um monday's a little far for me it takes me about an hour to get there oh okay and then you know coming back late it's like and public that's, transports uh, right, not public easy transport. yeah yeah, um, yeah i'm not looking to, yeah. yeah i'm recording we're recording this on a monday so i'll be going downtown again i guess um yeah, i'm not looking yeah. forward to walking in the snow <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's gonna be pretty serious this time of year huh yeah um but, you know, I'm just going to make that commitment and just go. Because last time it was pretty enjoyable. And for the awesome. most part, there's a good group of people mm. at Chicago. And, you know, I got to play a lot of uh, games with people. Last week, we actually got to did a Soul Calibur tournament. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went 0-2. I didn't voice. stand a fucking chance. <laughs> um, but then there was also a... Uh, street fighter team tournaments on the okay. other day yeah yeah um and i was with a guy who was pretty good and basically mm-hmm. carried me <laughs> that's okay it's a team tournament you both have to. it's a team way, tournament right? that's right but i did manage to get two rounds off people so Hell i'm like yeah. oh i'm i'm actually yeah. making some progress in this game nice that owns. so it was nice to actually have a tournament win and like feel like i actually you know i got better at some point because yeah. I'm usually playing people who are, like, so far above me, I barely feel mm. like I'm playing. Yeah, and, like, uh, team tournaments are a great thing for that. They're a great way to, like, get involved with the, the competitive aspect of your local fighting game scene, right? Because they take, typically, they take much better players and pair them with less less good players. And it allows them to, like, it allows them to, you know, participate in, like, tangential to high-level play without, you know, requiring them be necessarily that good to begin with. It's It's pretty cool. Yeah. They're also free here. Yeah, <laughs> usually yeah. there's a five dollar buy-in, so that helps. I yeah. think that's how that's their way of getting because they just started them, so that's their way of yeah. kind of getting everybody in. I think there might be a Tekken one, so I might as well go and try mm-hmm. that since like it seems like even the people who usually stick with Street Fighter have been picking up Tekken now. Yeah, having like a free tournament, it's a great like community building exercise as well. Like you just you know in, in, tell everyone you know there's no stakes, just come in, play, have a good time. 
And then you have the situation where like newer players who are maybe not so sure of themselves in this environment, if you you know, if you have the the right like community, the right attitude to it, you can have like, you know, these high level serious players like genuinely invested in the success of these newer players. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's a really good format that I, I'm looking forward to seeing them explore more. Mm. Um, other than that, I played like a bunch of Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. Hell I just yeah. brought my Switch <laughs> and everybody just started crowding around it, getting really hype. That game rules. And then um, played a lot of that Mario and Sonic <laughs> Olympics Tokyo 2020 karate minigame. Okay, yeah. Which is like, I'm not sure if I talked about this last time, but it's like a weirdly fully featured fighting yeah, game in there like we've we've definitely talked about it but i'm not sure if we talked about it on the show yeah it's like very like whiff punish and spacing heavy yeah um big focus on counters it's even got stuff like perfect guards and throw teching. <laughs> you can do a perfect guard to get more meter <laughs> oh that's so and, good and you can use a you can bait enemy you can bait your opponents out and then use your super which has armor on it <laughs> uh so yeah it's like it's it's like virtual fighter or tekken or whatever that's that's hilarious yeah oh well it's not it's a uh, strictly like um left and right oh okay so it's, it's forward and back it's 2d it's like, right okay yeah, yeah it's yeah. like 2.5d um and it's just basically you press up and down for the other normals okay okay but um and you know it's points based like to 10 hmm Right. Okay. So it yeah, doesn't have cool. like the severe knockouts and stuff like that, but it's like right. a pretty fast and like interesting little fighting game that you know basically gets all the fundamentals of you know uh, general fighting gameplay mm. boiled into cool. like a very small package that's like like um really complicated for in comparison yeah, to the rest yeah. of the mini games, okay. but pretty simple in comparison to like the standard of what usual fighting games are. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that that's most of what I've been doing recently. So as for I guess the the, the news and the the wider world of fighting games, we uh, we try not to talk too much about competitive fighting games on this show because it's not really our aesthetic. However, <laughs> except for that in... time we did that massive Evo. Yeah, episode. yeah, we get it, we get it all out of the way in one episode, and then the rest of the year we just spend ages talking about how cool you know menus look or whatever. But this time, <laughs> this time, there was a competitive event that is of particular interest to me and probably to anyone else who's interested in, like, the global nature of the scene of fighting games. So there was a Tekken World Tour Dojo, you've heard us say that phrase a lot of times, mm-hmm. uh, major in Pakistan, right? Called, uh, I think it was called Takra Cup, I think it was. Yep. So what was interesting about Takra Cup, and we haven't seen much of any of over the course of this uh, tour, is you know it's a, it's a Pakistan major, so you would expect like a lot of Pakistan players to sign up, right? But because it's a major, it's a it's a big deal. There are a lot of Tekken World Tour Dojo points at stake. International players travel as well. There were players from Europe there, I believe. There were some Korean players there, and you know players from lots of different places. But none of them, no international player, made the top thirty-two of the event. All of these like killers from all over the world. None of them made it to even the top 32 of the tournament. All of the top 32 were all Pakistan players. That is absolutely wild. Like, we knew that uh, we were undervaluing the, the Pakistan scene when Arslan Ash won Evo. But, like. Yeah, and he, he pretty much said the same, right? He said, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like not even the best from Pakistan. Yeah, like a lot of people, like there was something going around that he was like, yeah, that you're undervaluing the Pakistan scene. There are a lot of players in Pakistan who are at or above my level. And we saw that borne out in Tekra Cup. Like, 
it's it's pretty it's pretty wild to see this like just unearthing this scene of, of players that like you know the 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 people who we thought were the best at the game don't even seem to be able to contend with i think that's really cool yeah like not even top eight like not even top 32 yeah that's kind of like ridiculous yeah right exactly. there's like yeah and it just kind of shows that like there is a lot of smaller underdeveloped um scenes in places that don't quite have the same resources that mm. nonetheless have like so much talent that you can kind of like like events like this kind of show that off right right exactly like uh fighting games more so than i would say other competitive genres of game are kind of a great leveler in that where wherever in the world you're playing it you're always playing the same symmetrical game like with a game like uh league of legends or dota or whatever like there's an element of who you test against i guess because those games are so they have so many options like the 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 meta games among players will evolve geographically i guess whereas mm-hmm. in fighting games like a, a good example is that there's been this akuma player in tekken who's been really like dominating people people really hate playing against this guy and he just got totally washed by all these pakistan players because they all had this <laughs> they all had this same option for dealing with his pressure that nobody else in the world was doing but everyone in pakistan was doing it's so cool it's so cool it's time to steal some uh anti-akuma tech from pakistan. right exactly exactly yeah and you know that's like the really cool thing because like now it's becoming kind of like a world community hmm like, exactly. you always kind of hear about all these small scenes in, like, other places. Like, Brazil is another really big one for fighting games. Mm. And you can kind of tell. Like, even in stuff like games that have been developed by Brazil, you can kind of see, like, the rich kind of fighting game history there. Yeah, and, like, sure. definitely in a lot of discords I hang out with, there's a lot of Brazilian players and stuff like that. But, you know, they don't really get talked about in the same way as, like, Japan and the U.S. because they just don't get in as many resources put into them. Mm. as these other like huge you know economic countries yeah yeah and the and these kind of events have been kind of like you know by by having all those points in a local event like that it brings you know competition from everywhere like you said over there because you know they're competing to get those points Mm. and then you know you get the highlight from just a you get to kind of see um you get a little window into a lot of local scenes around the world that um haven't had the same attention despite having you know just as much or sometimes even more talent yeah right exactly all right so other than that we also got a new trailer for soul caliber 6 oh yeah 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 and a couple other games um soul caliber 6 is building up to a season 2 which i hope kind of revitalizes this yeah people seem pretty excited for the returning character hilde Yes, I, I um, don't know anything about Soul Calibur, so I assume she's cool, but... Uh... uh, People, so she's like, I guess now she's like an empress or something? Okay. But she was basically this like Joan of Arc looking character mm-hmm. um, who fights with, I believe like a small sword and just like a huge flag. Oh, yes, I think I have, yeah, I, I think I saw someone messing about with this character in another Soul Calibur game when I went to Yeah, I think it was five that everybody hated fighting her. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but she's pretty, she seems pretty cool. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, a lot of people enjoyed playing her, and then a lot of people that I've been talking to are excited to see it. So I'm excited to see her and uh, Halmaru. Oh, yeah, of course, Halmaru. For season two. What? And then whatever other three or four characters are going to be adding as that season pass and everybody's apparently also getting new moves and things like that mm. okay cool so they're doing they do some work for soul caliber 
Yeah, um, I really, I really like that game. Seems like there's gonna, there's a little bit of push to bring that game back, at least in my locals, and it's just such a like smooth feeling game and so mm. fluid in its movement. Um, it takes a while to get your head around. Yeah, if you yeah. haven't played a lot of 3D stuff, especially since it's like so much more fluid than a lot of other 3D ones. Like they, the spacing is, um, very wide and fast. Yeah, I was going to say, because that game has, like, you know, rather than, say, Tekken, where you sort of step or shuffle in other directions, you, you can actually just fully run in every direction in Soul Calibur. Yeah, yeah you got an eight-way run. Um, you can run in every direction, and sidestepping is huge. And because the movement is so fast, uh, unlike things like Virtual Fighter and Tekken, where they have very close range, it uses up a lot more of the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot more of the stage is, like, viable play space. As well as, you know, they have that big emphasis on ring outs, so you want to kind of control the stage, and that changes the dynamics a lot between mm. um, each of those stages. But yeah, seeing, seeing that this game has continued to be supported is uh, pretty encouraging, <laughs> even yeah. if it hasn't, you know drawn like the same huge crowds as other things like i don't know dragon ball fighters yeah i'm i'm interested to i because i feel like i i just don't really get soul caliber like i played a bunch of soul caliber 2 when that was what people played on the, on the yeah i think game, everybody played soul caliber 2 right yeah right exactly i had link in it so of course i played it but uh like i i don't feel like i really get that game in the way that i get you know 2d games and sort of i i sort of get tekken from a distance right but like uh, yeah I, I don't get that game much so i'm interested to sort of like revisit that for the show at some point which we'll definitely do right yeah probably um not sure exactly when but definitely i bet it's probably going to be something around where it's when season true drops i was gonna say that seems like a decent opportunity but uh, yeah yeah yeah, and then, so, for the additional news, we got uh, two more trailers for Guilty Gear 2020, and we also got live stream footage of Arc System Works folks actually playing the game as it is. So And explaining tra- a lot of the systems. Yeah, they went over a lot of the systems that they were including, the new sort of vision for what they were emphasizing in this game, that kind of stuff. So, as for the trailers, uh, they revealed Chips Enough, the, uh, the American... The American president, the president of the Ninja Kingdom of America. <laughs> you can just picture his secretary like fran- frantically telling him not to call it a kingdom, but no, he is the president of the Ninja Kingdom of America. Yeah, um, I. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's guilty gear. Yep, that's guilty gear. He's a he's a ninja. He he teleports. He has shadow clones. He has shurikens. He has a wrist blade. He's 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 like you know he's cool. However. In the most recent game, Guilty Gear Exit, he was sort of like a weird dork who, you know, nonetheless inspired people because he was, you know, trying to be the president of this country. He's one of those characters <laughs> who is like sort of goofy, but has a very dark backstory, you know, sort of an anime stereotype, I guess. But yeah, then, that sounds right. In the new game, Bash he's the fucking... Sampede. Right, exactly. But in the new game, he's fucking ridiculously hot. He's got like a totally different jawline. He's fucking ripped now, whereas he was sort of wild. Yeah, this man got jacked. I don't know what happened. He's been working out with the bad guy. (laughs) Yeah, fucking jawline install on this guy. Like (laughs) jawline install. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, that's basically Zaku in Street Fighter Five. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, Chips Enough is hot now. And then the second trailer was for Potemkin, who is the uh, 
he's he's big. Potemkin is the game's grappler. The get you know the guy who will throw you and like suplex you and break you across his back. Yeah, uh, he's big. Not only is he big, they made him bigger for Guilty Gear 2020. So he takes <laughs> I don't up, know why. <laughs> he takes up a good half of the screen now. And uh, he... Uh, so, like, I guess the Potemkin trailer was really cool for me because not only is it, like, it's a character design I really, really like, but it also shows how committed they are to visually, like, m- going even harder with this game. You know, Exod is already an extremely over-the-top video game. But the example in the Potemkin trailer is that so Potemkin's signature move is the Potemkin Buster, which is a command throw where he grabs you, puts you up on his back, jumps up in the air, and slams down again to like break you across his back. Right? It's a. I mean, I'm sure it has a a, a wrestling name. I don't know what it is. I don't know anything about wrestling. But uh, <laughs> famously uh, among Guilty Gear players, Potemkin has the heavenly Potemkin Buster which is a command throw that only hits airborne targets, which launches Potemkin into the air and then does like an exaggerated Potemkin buster with you, catching you out of the air. So Potemkin's heavenly buster animation in Guilty Gear 2020, again, launches him into the air. He grabs you, but then rockets fire on his elbows and you both like soar into the sky and you keep going and going and going. You go through the clouds and you go up out of the clouds and they are like <laughs> deities in the background. Like he literally oh my busts God. you. He busts you from heaven because <laughs> then he slams down again from there, and it shakes the earth, and you die. Presumably. <laughs> wow, it's, it's, it's cool as hell. Guilty Gear will never stop being extra. Absolutely. If whatever changes about Guilty Gear, and it seems like quite a lot might be about to change about Guilty Gear, it will never stop being extra. That was the other thing I was going to say. There was a huge stream where they talked about how. The, uh, the like what they're changing for the mechanics, what they're emphasizing for the, the new game. I think we probably shouldn't talk about that on this show because we could talk about it forever and it could all be different by next week. So <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just say that uh, a lot of people are very worried. That yeah, a lot Guilty of Gear is going to become a completely different game. Yes. and I have some seen some um, rightful concerns, but also some really ridiculous overreactions. Yeah, which have been really funny. Yeah, just uh, suffice it to say, the takes are out there, and you should read none of them. They're all bad. The version of the game and that they're they... all not gonna matter by the time this game comes right, out. Right, exactly. Like the uh, the version of this game that they demoed was like, I- I'm I'm impressed that they did it because that it just requires such a level of bravery from them because the verse the build that they showed was extremely early. Like the character trailers showed off these cool stages, these cool characters, these cool animations. And then they showed us the build, and that was basically all that was finished. Everything else is like very shaky. The UI is very shaky. The uh, yeah. like the implementation the, the UI... of the specials is very shaky. Like the UI looks nice, but it's also like something nice that would make a week before we have to put out a public demo, right? Right, exactly. Like the the health bar, you know, the health bar in uh, in Exert. It's like it's it's evolved over time. It's this cool like sort of gun barrel shape. It has curves. It goes has this cool like sort of muzzle flash on it as bits of it are depleted. It's it, it, like you know it's it's ornate, right? Whereas the the yeah. UI in this demo is is a green rectangle. Like it's like a weird metro look. Yeah. It uh, it reminds me of video ball. It's sort of like a. a... <laughs> it does kind of remind me of video ball. It's yeah. It's like a sort of kindergarten <laughs> brutalist, you know. 
video ball coming soon to this show. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely do an episode of this show about video ball. You if we can get that. two more people, we will make the episode <laughs> on video ball happen. That'd be awesome. Anyway, that's for another time. So yeah, Guilty Gear 2020, it's coming. It will be different, but I, I embrace the future. I, like I think whatever happens, it's going to be Guilty Gear. I'm glad that they're not like afraid to make big changes. Yeah, yeah. And, and to like, kind of like decide they want to do something different. Because, mm. you know, it's kind of a little... It gets a little uninteresting if you kind of keep making the same game. For sure, for sure. I guess like, yeah. Ultimately, like, I think Arc System Works make good games and I'll play them. So that's, that's yeah, my it'll, opinion. It'll be interesting <laughs> and it'll probably, you know, we'll, week one, day one probably, we'll see some ridiculous nonsense coming out that game, right? Probably, probably. And whatever form it looks like. Yeah, exactly. All right. So for with that said, um, thinking of uh, day one ridiculous shit, we're going to go on to <laughs> our game for today, which is Ultra Fight Dakianta 2. kind of game is Ultra Fight Dakianta 2? So Ultra Fight Dakianta 2 is, I would say, probably the first game on this show that I would not expect the average listener to have ever even heard of. Like... Not even Senko? <laughs> I mean, okay, Senko, fair enough. Yeah, but like Ultra Fight Dakianta 2 is it's another level of nobody's heard of this, right? Like Senko, like there's a there's a, an enthusiast community of people who like import Japanese games who will have right. It, right whereas this you mods. need to be yeah whereas this you need to be the enthusiast community of people who like you know fighting games which uh <laughs> hmm, how should i put this so i guess that the, what i have to hear written down in the notes is that uh ultra fight ducky 2 is a, a a microsoft paint fighting game but played totally earnestly and i don't mean that as in to say like i'm certain that the characters were drawn in microsoft paint uh microsoft paint but they have that energy right the characters are simple but very evocative drawings. But the thing is that it's completely earnest. It's played with zero irony whatsoever. The game is just very, uh, very cheap and cheerful. I guess is what I would would use to describe yeah. it. It's made by I believe one person. I think so. Yeah, it's like very haste. It feels like very hastily sketched up pixel yeah. art. Um, because there is like character art and stuff that's a little bit more detailed but mm. it very much feels like an aesthetic chosen because the creator wanted to make a fighting game and this is really the only kind of art style that you can kind of work with to get out this many characters and you know animations out this fast yeah right exactly so it's it's made by someone who clearly loves fighting games a great deal and wanted to make one themselves so this person does the music they do the art they did the game balance the game i don't design. think they did the i don't think they, they did in music but they I do definitely they do did. all the, the coding and stuff I, I think they did do the music i think did on they? The, when i when i, I went was to the, the yeah, Bandcamp page ultra fight duck counter 2 is a fighting game developed by artist and musician harama self oh wow okay i didn't know he did the music too yeah the music's pretty good yeah it's pretty great it's pretty great <laughs> it's weirdly good like uh yeah so i guess like what i would say about this is because there's a there's a temptation to call like people who even people who like fighting games 
Uh, they use the they use the word kasoge a lot, and it's it's a difficult like it's a difficult word to navigate because you know it literally yeah. means shit game. And yeah, it's like just a, Japanese for shit game. Yeah, right. and this is like there's like a, a sort of an implied concession that you you know if this is a shit game, you could be playing a good game. Even if you like the shit game, you're sort of subscribing to this value system that you know mm-hmm. it creates this. But it's also kind of used. It's used lovingly no, for Sorry. sure. Yeah, no, like yeah, I, it's I used lovingly. Right. It's used lovingly. In the same way that a lot of people call um, Marvel Three Kasoge, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, that's the other thing, right? Like it's used lovingly, so it's sort of the, the definition expands until you get games that cost you know hundreds, millions of hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to to make get being called Kasoge just because they have the same hallmarks as these cheaply made weird games, right? Mm-hmm. But this game yeah. is they can they can be everything from like bad games that are kind of like cult successes, like mm. I don't know, fucking Spelunker or uh atlantis no nazo yeah right something like that which is like ridiculously unfair but loved anyway Mm. to stuff that's like high quality but you know hastily made and doesn't have like any of the polish of like a big a big release yeah and uh this is kind of one of those yeah i guess yeah so i guess the reason that i bring up kasoge is that like when people say oh i play this game it's kasoge but i love it anyway there's like a there's like a concession to uh you know this game is bad or doesn't subscribe to the sort of metrics of quality that we use for big budget fighting Mm -hmm. game productions right and whether you personally believe that or not i would say that i guess ultra fight is for me it stands out because it doesn't care about any of that stuff it knows exactly what it is and rather than what other games do which is sort of cringe away from your expectations like you know oh this game it does this, but it knows it does this, and it's sort of apologetic for it. Ultrafight is not even slightly mm-hmm. apologetic for itself. It knows exactly what it is, and it is joyous about that fact. It is really cool. Yeah, it's making a deliberate decision to kind of throw away a lot of the conventions that mm. you would expect from a competitive fighting game, just so that it can make something really fun and expressive. Right, um, exactly. And not be kind of bound by, you know, very serious balancing and um, mm. yeah. desire to, like, you know, be a big stage competitive event. Yeah, it just it just like it, it's unabashedly fun in a lot of the decisions that it's made. Like it doesn't seem it doesn't like it, it doesn't allow itself to be shackled by a lot of the normal ideas for what like a fighting game has to be. But then rather than make jokes about the fact that it doesn't do that, it just lets that speak for itself, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and like they are they do make efforts to con- like they're constantly patching this game and yeah, you know balancing somehow. it out and <laughs> And doing things like that, adding new characters, because it is technically an early access game. Or even talking about removing one. One of the characters, they were like, I'm going to remove this character because people hate her so much. (laughs) They didn't in the end, but... They didn't, yeah. But yeah, like, they're definitely, you know, they're definitely building a game that they find, with all the things they find fun about fighting Mm. games, right? And throwing them in them, whether they make, like, a coherent larger whole or not. It's just more important that they have something fun and expressive than, you know, match the conventions and create a, like, completely balanced balanced and um, understandable game. Yeah, right, totally. And, like, it, this game is quite often difficult to understand. Right. Um, I think we talked about this before, but, like, the default mode of speed is 2, which is, like, vaguely similar to something like a Street Fighter 2 Turbo high speed. Um, yeah, but then it goes up to like ten star. Yeah, it goes speed yeah. rating, and it really does just 
you know crank up the tick rate like it doesn't you know nothing else has changed there everything just is way faster (laughs) yeah it looks like you are watching like a 20 times dvd recording of (laughs) a fighting game except that you're in control of it somehow yeah and this is like i guess one of the advantages of this like you know lo-fi uh you know low production value aesthetic is that it's really easy to just run your game at 300 frames per second or whatever because yeah and it runs on everything yeah it runs on absolutely everything if you want to play this game on a nokia n-gauge you could probably find a way to do that like (laughs) (laughs) definitely seen a lot of people with a bunch of laptops setting up uh kianta stations yeah yeah and this uh, i think yeah we we brought this up in our evo episode but this game was played at anime evo this year yeah um there's actually a decent small community um, that's constantly having online tournaments for this game, and they're starting to um, get a little community built for it. At Hell this yeah. point, honestly, <laughs> comparing this to Senko, <laughs> I think more people might be actively yeah, playing this right than Senko Naran. You might be right about that, but it definitely has uh, it definitely has zero penetration outside of people who are like well into fighting games. I guess I would say. Yeah, like there's definitely the people at my local so heard of it and seen it and my friend got them to play it <laughs> play attorney one time i think yeah. um but it's definitely not a thing that like casual fighting game spectators and players are gonna just kind of stumble into okay um yeah so <laughs> we've established that this game is kusoge in a good way and this game is lovingly made but um what exactly you know what are the exact qualities of um ultra fight that make it so you know, actually engaging as compared to like a lot of you know well-loved but janky fighting games in you know the other sphere stuff like shack fu or whatever so i guess the like the easiest comparison for uh for viewers of the show it, it would be sailor moon s right we just we just we talked about when we were mm-hmm. talking about sailor moon s how one of the things that we liked most about it was the way that uh past a certain point in the game the moves were so powerful that the 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 state of the game could just change massively at any given time right like once you've unlocked your super you can you know start flying around the screen and your opponent has to reevaluate on the fly how to deal with that or your opponent is you know able to dash forwards when you're literally not able to do that you have to think about how to mm-hmm. you know how how the tools that you have can interact with that right ultra fight is that right. cranked all the way up like Quite often, the, the the game will you know count down from three to start the round, and the round will start, and you'll be super committed to doing something. They'll be super committed to doing something, and you'll both of you will not really have much of an idea of what's about to happen. And when it does happen, you'll probably yell because the interactions are very very surprising. Yeah, and then they just get into ridiculous situations where games can be over in like five seconds. Yeah, right. So every character has. So that's a, a, something that we should probably uh, so clarify. So this is uh, in the style of your uh, your like versus games or your uh, well, I guess versus games is the big touchstone, right? Well, I like Dragon Ball Fighters if you've watched that played, where you pick three characters. It's... Right. Well, actually, it's more like a, a Capcom versus SNK two or Skullgirls. Yes. Yes. So you can, um, less you can, air dash heavy than like a Skullgirls or a Marvel, but yeah, you pick a team of one to three characters whose strength yes. changes depending on how many you've got. Yeah, so you can have one super strong character should you wish, but you can pick up to three, which will give you a greater diversity of skills. 
Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. guess I should say it's it's more like those those uh, Capcom versus SNK games because you don't get to you don't get to call another character in to assist you during battle. They just come in afterwards. I guess it's like King of Fighters in that in that way. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, but, it, it borrows that King of Fighters style system that yeah. Capcom versus SNK kind of uses. So another thing that it has that is quite like uh, Capcom versus SNK is it has uh, styles that you can pick for your characters. <laughs> and- there and are a lot of them. There are a lot of styles, and let me tell you, they're fucking weird. So the first style is, like, the, the default style, just to get you started on the game, is that I believe that you start with more life, right? Or something? Yeah. So that's, that's the, the beginner one. It just have more one. life. Yeah, if you don't want to think about how styles interact with your play, you just want to make sure that you understand how play works. First, you can choose to have more life. The second style is that your supers cost three quarters as much meter, which is, is mm-hmm. good. It means you get to use more supers. And then they start to get weird. There's one where you can, so you can, much like in uh, some Street Fighter games, you can parry attacks by guarding at the moment that they hit you. Yeah, you just press forward or down depending on if it's high or low. Yeah, you can do right. it in the air too. Yeah. Uh, so there's one style, which means that parrying gives you a uh, super meter and, uh, what was the other one? Life? Maybe it gives you life? It gives you two things. Yeah, it gives you things. meter and life, yeah. but you can't block. But you can't block. You can't block at all. So, so you get huge advantages <laughs> for parrying, but you just can't block. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a huge sort of flex, I guess. Idea, and like it's, it's, it's just like yeah, you're never gonna touch me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's see if I can get a list. Oh, I've got a list. Here we go. Uh, so there's one that increases your walk speed. <laughs> yeah, it just makes you really fast, which is probably useful for certain characters who you know <laughs> don't otherwise have tools to get in, like if you're playing a grappler or something. Um, I believe there's like a demon one yep, that a, lets you do like mode. it's like that max mode from KOF. Yeah, you lose access to your super. You can just use like you a, can use a bunch of EX moves, which are like power yeah. versions of your special moves. Yeah, you can just use like a ton of them. Yeah. So yeah, like so not only does this game have what like thirty characters, it has like a lot of characters. There's a lot. There's a lot for I I've never seen an indie fighting game have this many characters. 10, 11, Maybe 12, Skullgirls at the 15, end? 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. 29 characters and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 styles to change each one of those characters this game has a lot of different options. yeah there's there's also spaces left over for maybe having yeah more. yeah they might add more they might add more that's wild and they are definitely working on even another character mm-hmm. like the last time we talked about this game um, they added another character since then, mm-hmm. since our Evo episode where we talked about this. Yeah. And they've, it looks like they've got plans to add another one already. So. Hell yeah, I can't wait. But yeah, there's like a ridiculous variety of characters in this game as well. And it's kind of like when we talked about Eunice, about every character having like some like completely unfair yeah, tactics. Yeah, some, some bullshit. Yeah, every character's got some bullshit in this game. It's great. Yeah, every character will make you yell, that was complete bullshit. That's not fair. <laughs> Yeah, but that's where I guess this game taps into that uh, that versus versus game energy because like, and again it touches on something that we talked about with Sailor Moon S, which is that rounds are over so quickly and like you mm-hmm. can do such powerful stuff that it doesn't really matter that you like you know you both super at the same time your super loses and you die like in some games that would but like you know be really fucking annoying but in this game next round when you mash super you might just win and then you might do it to their next character as well and then you're ahead so like. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. seem too bad 
The supers will like if you're doing a three on three battle, supers will take off like half the health of somebody. Oh, at least. Yeah. And there are some really unfair supers. Yeah, for sure. They'll for just sure. take up the whole screen. Just like button checks that if you're not like, did you push a button? Are you blocking? No, you're dead. Yep, pretty much. You make a mistake. A whole bunch dead. of things like that. Did you jump in? Yeah, you're dead. Oh, and did uh, you do this? You're dead. This game also has a, uh, a a guard meter, like some some traditional fighting games, where if it fills, the next thing that hits you probably just kill you. Like, <laughs> yeah, it also doesn't recharge. Like in most yeah, of them, it's just yeah. to prevent you from blocking, hmm. like and uh, like abusing it. Yeah. And then you get a break, and then you know they get a cool combo on you. Mm. But and this one, it just never like if you just block a lot, you're just gonna get guard broken, and then they can just do whatever they want to you because it takes forever for you to recover from that stun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you if you get guard broken in this game, you just die. You, you just straight up. Yeah. Die. So you just gotta be aggressive if you just block too much. And I don't think it even recharges between rounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it's like and it, it helps to reinforce this game's idea, which is that you know. The, the cool stuff is is going out there and doing it. So just go out there and do it. Because if you try... Yeah, and, just do all the cool things. Yeah, if you don't try... Don't hold back. Just, you can't play turtle style yeah, in this exactly. game. Exactly. This game... What other cool systems does this game have? Oh, yeah. This game has, again, like Sailor Moon S, it has the uh, uh, macro special system. This game has no uh, you know quarter circle motions, no half circle motions or whatever. No, there's no time for any of that. If you want to do a special, you press forward yeah. and do special. If you want to do a down special, you press down and do special. You have a light, a medium, a special, and a super button. I think. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you just, you just. That's, um, that's all and then need. there's combinations of them that let you do like you know ex versions of yeah, like right, and yeah. stuff like that. But all the commands were really simple. You know, you just kind of link things together and find out what fits. And like, you definitely can construct some real combos in here. Oh yeah. But also, um, <laughs> oh, I hope you can do them really fast because the pace of this game is just ridiculously high speed yeah it's 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 ridiculously high speed i think uh, a pattern that i really enjoyed observing when armor and i played this game was uh by the point that we both recognized that during uh interactions like one or both of us would probably die uh we basically got to this point where we would both set up some initial interaction and you know both of us would both of us would survive because we like we we sort of knew what we were doing like i would throw a super fireball armor would jump back and start throwing fireballs or whatever like that but then we would get to this, you know, uh, the situation quite like the sort of contemporary realization of, like, say, Street Fighter, where we're both walking backwards and forwards, trying to suss out what the, the optimal range is to, to do a thing. And then both hit super and one of us would die. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, sort of, it's, sort of like a, it's sort of like a quick draw exercise, but, the, you know, you're firing fucking cannons instead of pistols. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you. Uh, one of the characters that you've picked just like puts a giant sword on the screen <laughs> yeah, that takes yeah. up half the screen and, and just, just slowly moves, disintegrates every projectile. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You and your options are basically uh, parry all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <'cause> <laughs> which you can absolutely do. Yeah, you can totally do that. <laughs> and I've seen people repeatedly do that and like effectively nullify that character. Mm. Yeah, yeah. By just parrying them, because it just goes in a straight line. So you're just like, okay, da, 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 you yeah, messed yeah. up, man. <laughs> or you could just fly over it, mm. and then maybe do your super. Uh, <laughs> I think like the easiest way to the, get into like the ridiculous um, interactions of this game is just to get into our characters. 
Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. The examples of like the ridiculous kind of stuff that you can kind of pull off in this game, you know, within a push of one or two buttons. And that's another thing that this game has that it didn't need that shows how much the the people that made it love making it was that uh, the characters, they all have this like sort of uh, fighting games y lore to them that they they didn't need. Like the, the designs by themselves are already. Not only like evocative, but also quite weird. A lot of them are very strange to look at, but are cool. It, it, yeah, in a way that's quite impressive. And they all have really good win quotes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is what you, is something that you need in a fighting game, and this game has it. So uh, the team that I liked playing the most is made up of uh, characters called Katana Kianta, uh, <laughs> Ma- Masako, and Robo Azuma. So Katana Kianta <sighs> is that had that. Uh, that super that we mentioned that fires a giant sword. That... Just a big, it's and it's just like the regular sprite. Yeah, yeah, it's just the, sword the Hadouken, which is a sword, but yeah. it's just really big. Yeah, <laughs> they just yeah. stretch it. So when reading the uh, reading the wiki page for these these characters, I found out that <laughs> Katana Kianta was apparently he, he's a dog man, by the way. Katana Kianta was apparently historically I think he's a fox man. Oh, quite possibly, actually. But was apparently a bodyguard for Tokugawa Ieyasu in feudal Japan, which is like, <laughs> uh, okay, fine, I yeah, guess. Yeah, sure. Apparently, Why not? Apparently he's been resurrected to be part of the, the story of this game, which I don't understand <laughs> and don't want to understand because just experiencing these like peripheral parts of it is just so much better. Um, Who's the evil organization of this universe? Who's the sin of Kianta? Uh, doesn't, I can't doesn't seem to say we'll find out we'll find out one day <laughs> one day during uh, once we get the kianta anime <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome the fucking kianta ova um, the kianta webcomic <laughs> yeah fucking hell that would be so cool <laughs> this game's a uh, this game's there is like a a weird almost animated <laughs> intro oh god <laughs> like fmv intro oh wait which is just like basically this. the characters sliding around yeah, um, yeah while music like hype music plays in the beginning but it's really funny that they <laughs> they saw fit to put like a basically assembled in windows movie maker style uh opening mm. with like fake lens flares yeah um, yeah, what other characters do you enjoy? I just just to bring this up briefly while looking for the game's story on the uh, the wiki page. The uh, the Mizumi wiki's FAQ for Ultra Fight Ducky Hunter Two. One of the main questions is, "I die too fast. What do I do on defense?" <laughs> that is that is absolutely the experience of playing this game. You sure do fucking die. Um, yeah. Right. So the uh, the the second character in my team is uh, Masako, who I I found is actually the one of the the protagonists of the story uh, called Masao hit by a gender change beam this game has a trans yeah. character in it because i while while so... looking while looking through this character's uh, <laughs> Masako's bio uh, it says that when hit by well done's gender change beam Masao became Masako yet it unexpectedly caused caused her to become stronger with a newfound unity between her body and her spirit, she was able to fully realize control of the Kianta Force. In time, she may even be able to surpass her master. So this is fighting games. This is this is the representation, folks. It's it's great. <laughs> it's really good because Masao is just like the Dan of this game. Yeah, yeah. Masao sucks, and like by becoming a girl, she becomes super powerful. It's awesome. Becomes a Sakura, and hey, you know it's just parallels to Street Fighter. Yeah, 
And she has like the know, student has surpassed the master. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really weird detail I did not expect from this game. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's, it's it's cool. So, and then the other character I like a lot is uh, is Robo Azuma, who is a robotic clone of an alligator detective who has a drill for a hand. Actually, I just need to. I just need to. Back up because we did not give enough attention to this, but it getting hit by well done's gender change beam. Yeah. First of all, there's a gender change beam in the lore of this game, yep. and second of all, there's a character called Well Done. Oh, there sure is, and let me tell you, Well Done is like a, a fucking giant horrible alien gorilla beast with one eye. It's. Ugh. <laughs> And there's also another <laughs> another uh, alien beast called Rare. Yeah, well done and rare. The, the well done and yeah. rare. <laughs> but yeah, let's move on to the robot alligator <laughs> detective. Yeah, so the robot clone of the alligator detective who apparently uh, kidnaps people for use in, in the experiments of one of this <laughs> game's antagonists. So, uh, but despite being a, a, a robot clone of an alligator detective, sorry, in, in addition to that, what like attracted me to this character was when I tried, when I tried him out, like... Uh, his his win quotes are entirely in block caps with full stops between every word. <laughs> so like he is the one that I that I remember most strongly is he he wins and you just get this like menacing face of him you know like sort of head down eyes up with just I am robot but in block block caps with full stops between every word it's it's pretty fucking good. Yeah, apparently he's based on Azuma, who's like. A robotic he's that he's that investigator alligator yeah um and apparently in japanese uh his uh name is a pun an alligator and like a detective oh okay um there it seems like they're talking about um getting english parody with his name um by making him investigator uh, i see <laughs> i get it i get it so we'll see what happens with that but that's a really good uh touch there so uh, what about you, Alma? Which characters do you like in Ultra Fight Ducky Hunter 2? Uh, I like quite a few of them. Some of them are just some of the same archetypes. Uh, the first one I like is Chihiro. Uh, okay, yeah. He's a raccoon, I think, who does, like, huge, I think, judo moves oh, or something. Oh, God, I remember playing against Chihiro. The, a really good detail is that he's a grappler. Um, he really has, like, nothing to really get in with so he just has this super that just basically gives him like a ton of super armor yeah which basically you know allows you to just walk through enemy attacks yeah i remember that Um, very vividly which would be (laughs) which would be messed up if any regular character had but is more messed up because he has command grabs yeah that just walk him forward so you just kind of stampede towards your enemy as they try to like do any like you could do a super to him and he'll just take the damage and walk through through you yeah yeah so you frequently like did like a huge fireball or one of the swords and I would just walk through. Yeah, yeah. If I had enough health, then just command grab you for half your health and then do it again. Yep. And you'd be dead. <laughs> so it's basically you just play like keep away, trying to build up meter and, you know, try not to get killed. And then once you get that super, it's all over. The other ones I like are Gyanta and Kianta, which are the Kuma and Ryu, mm-hmm. which are really good. And, you know, they're just basic, you know, shoot your fireballs in do your tatsumakis and um shurikens and stuff like that uh gyanta has a really cool <laughs> um 
ability in that he has two supers. Oh yeah, he has a Akuma He's style. actually got an air and ground super. Yeah, yeah. And um like Tekken, you have access to one button raging demons. Mm. Yep. Which are still invincible on startup. And will still kill the shit out of you if they if they hit you. So yeah, if you do that then <laughs> He'll just walk through your whatever crap you set up and then grab you and do a ton of damage onto you. Yeah. Or alternatively, jump into the air and then lock you down with air fireballs. And uh, just in case that you think, like, that in a nonsense game like this one, playing a, a you know a seemingly basic, like, you know, Shoto-style character with a fireball and a, an invincible, like, uppercut might be boring. In this game, it's so fast that you do your invincible uppercut, it launches you a really long way away. And your opponent tries to punish it when you land, but you just do it again because it recovers so quickly. Like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes the thing, the best thing you can do after whiffing an invincible move is to just do the move again. Yeah, because you know you might catch their punish, and they might they might literally die because that's the game that this is. <laughs> or maybe you'll do the super to punish them for duh. Yeah. trying to punish you. Yep. Yeah, it's like when you know when even the basic characters are super broken, you know it's a good game. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also like uh, Rogue and Nanatsu, mm-hmm. who are like zoners with big animal friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you can kind of just um, send through. <laughs> Rogue is really good because if you press the hard punch button, it sends a bird. But the bird kind of like sticks around on that part of the screen. Mm, so you can this, kind yeah. of just make it get immediately. Um, it's really hard for them to fight anybody up close but once you get the bird on them you can kind of just mash the bird button yeah yeah and they'll just hit them from multiple sides crossing them up yeah and if you don't have like an invulnerable <laughs> way to escape it's fucking oppressive <laughs> um and then if they like try to jump in or something you send like a squirrel to poke them or shoot an arrow or shoot a really big arrow as your super mm, yeah um and uh Nanatsu's kind of the same, except she's like a butterfly or a bee or something. Mm. Her air special, her her air supers just like throw honey on them. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and she yeah. has got like different animal friends, but her uh, big super is called Fruits Basket. Yeah, she drops a like <laughs> a picnic just, basket uh, on you. Yeah, yeah, a giant pixelated picnic basket. Um, I remember beating uh somebody else, Josh. Ah, uh, I. I don't remember which Joshua was playing with because <laughs> I play Josh. I play fighting games with two Joshes. Um, the embarrassment of Josh. When we did the Kianta video, which is like yeah, really, yeah. this is how small the community is. Like this is like the video we did together is like <laughs> one of the top search results of Kianta on YouTube. Hmm. Um, when we did that, I kept winning with Fruits Basket because you to parry it, you have to parry high multiple times. And then the last couple hits, I think you have to parry low. Hmm. So if you try to parry it, you it's like weirdly technical to do. And uh he have trying to parry it and just kind of getting hit by it as it like went low and just clipped his feet. Owned. It's really good. Um after that I like uh Tsukinami, who's just this like she's it's like what if a monster hunter monster was also the monster hunter? <laughs> Which oh yeah, this character. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> just the most like aggressive character ever like she like she just has this tornado lariat and most people i've played against will just do it and then do it again and then do it again because <laughs> dealing with it is so hard yep and then there's just like to get over uh fireballs and stuff like that there's like a bunch of ones that launch her into the air to like in an arc mm. 
and then, you know, allow you to get in and then do that tornado again. That's like, what if an SPD had a bunch of, not an SPD, what if a Lariat had like a whole bunch of knives on the end of Zangief's hands? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> and she can also do a, a similar really thing good. where she like jumps in the air and does like a corkscrew thing, like a sort of, in a sort of diagonally downwards arc, I think. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very frustrating to deal with because if if you don't, it will kill you. <laughs> yeah, and then the last character that I really like is Kinoko, who's just like the joke character. How can you not love Kinoko? Kinoko's awesome. She can um jump on people's heads as one of her normals, her air normals. She just does like a Mario jump, and if you land on somebody's heads, you can like reverse juggle it where you're bouncing off of them and then hitting them again just uh just bef- so we like to, to spice up this uh description i'm gonna i'm gonna add something from kinoko's character bio uh which is so this is kinoko's character bio in full you are kinoko kinoko is a great addition <laughs> to many recipes the edible portions of a kinoko are the head tail and hair <laughs> The wild kinoko has become increasingly rare due to overhunting after its newfound popularity in cooking. It was added to the IUCN red list in 2019. We are we are kinoko. Yeah, um, I think some of her win quotes are just "We are kinoko." Hell yeah! <laughs> like uh, like she's Venom from Marvel or something. <laughs> it's really good. Um, she can also there's like. I, I don't know if they removed it, but there's like a weird mushroom mechanic where you can grow a mushroom to throw at people. And there's also two supers that both feel almost equally useless, where she just what? sits down no. on the floor. Rock super is very good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the first one is she just sits on the floor for several seconds with a huge active hitbox in yeah, front of her. Yeah. And if you walk forward into it, yeah. you just get command grab for a ton of your health. Mm. And then the rock super is, yeah, she put those rocks that fall everywhere on the screen and can hit both players. And can't be blocked. Can't be blocked. And if you get lucky or really unlucky, there's one red rock that explodes and immediately knocks out whoever it touches. Yes. and So sometimes you can start the match, do the super, and then a red rock will appear on the enemy and will be dead. Or on you and you'll be dead. And uniquely among, I think this is the only super in the game that does this, uh, Kinoko's rock super lasts, it doesn't end when the round ends. So if the the duration of the super lasts until the next round, the rocks will still be there. So if you kill someone, like you start the game with enough super to, uh, to do rock super, you do it and you kill them, it will still be there when their next character enters the match. So we're off to the yep. races. <laughs> And that red, that red uh, rock might still be there. Exactly. Kinoko is very cool. We we are Kinoko here on this podcast. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of like the kind of characters and like um, gimmicks you can kind of expect from this game. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And I guess like I'd echo the sort of things that we said with our Sailor Moon S episode, but even more so, like this, you can just pick up and play this game. So like you, you probably should if it sounds cool to you because it's awesome and fun. Yeah, it's not even like a weird thing that you have to put in an emulator. Right, right? It's exactly. just a game on Steam it's just a Steam that's game free. Download. And it has net play. It didn't work very well for us, but we live on different continents. So it might work well for yeah, you. Yeah, so. I mean, there are online tournaments for it. Yeah, so right, exactly. Presumably, there's a way to get it would work. Um, but yeah, it, you can also just, you know, use like Parsec or the Steam play together feature that they added and stuff like that if it doesn't work out. Hmm. 
but it, you know it's got full net play it's yeah, actively yeah. being supported and has a community sure does which is like more than you could say to some big games yeah yeah it's it's really cool i i really like auto Duck games too like if you thought a single thing on here was cool like you can just go download it and it will run on basically anything yeah like i i guess the, the the best endorsement of this game i can give is the you know one of the best endorsements i can give of any game which is the armor and i played it for the show and we were just laughing pretty much solidly for like two whole hours <laughs> it was just so yeah funny. my face my face extremely hurt <laughs> from laughing after you know an hour of this game yeah and that's been my experience every single time i've played it with anybody yeah yeah it's just i found this like on twitter somebody just you know (laughs) i believe the tweet was something to i don't remember who sent this but i believe the tweet was something like fuck poverty fighters this is destitution (laughs) (laughs) because games like these are generally considered what would be called a poverty fighter which is like you know it's sort of in the vein of kusoge like the same kind of sentiment. Yeah. You know, it's a game that nobody plays. But it's, it's more of a means You're... thing, right? Like this, it's it's like, I feel like the name emerged from, you know, games that you could play on literally any hardware. And this is definitely one of those. Yeah. You know, things like Melty Blood and stuff yeah. where, you know, there might be a passionate community for it, but, you know, it runs on everything. It doesn't got any big support at all. Mm, and yeah. it's kind of driven by, you know, the passion of a few people who kind of play it. Mm. And, you know, Destitution Fighter is... <laughs> is definitely a phrase that's useful for describing this game yeah totally. Um, yeah but i found that and then i played it i think maybe the next day with some friends and then you know this has just been kind of put into the continuous rotation along with like street fighter 5 and whatever yeah yeah and every single time it's just like a riot um it'll make everybody laugh and we haven't we didn't get into this but the the sound effects are incredible. <laughs> oh yeah, God! The game. I think we brought this up in the uh, the Evo, Evo episode, but the game is fucking loud. Like, <laughs> it's it's one of those like tw- it feels like the fighting game version of one of those Twitter radios where everything gets blown out. Yeah, everything everything is always blown out. Blown out your fucking speakers, and also a lot of the sound effects feel like they were made by a person's mouth. Like, yeah, but it's like a lot of mouth sounds. Yeah. Like even just like moving the cursor. Yeah, yeah. On the. Yeah, under the select screen it's like meow, meow. <laughs> yeah making like cat sounds or whatever and a lot of like people set people like a lot of mouth sounds going like whoosh, whoosh, for, for five all yeah heads. definitely uh, <laughs> and then all of these layering on top of each other yeah, yeah. every half second yeah. it's awesome it's, it's great and then just cat screeches as you get hit by the super <laughs> things like that um really fits together pretty well yeah it's it's really good it's really good all, all of this is stuff that you know feels very rough and um sketched out hand sketched um it's a very sketchbook feel game but one that feels um pretty seriously coherent mm, yeah yeah we compared this before to dong dong never die which i believe is yes um chinese i have no idea but maybe yeah i'm not sure it's it's one of those famous like um wild games that's and that game kind of um had like a really weird aesthetic yeah, of, yeah. like a bunch of bootleg mario's hand-drawn yeah, it's, it's, and it's all like hand-drawn combined like rotoscoped pictures of people like yeah like a mortal Kombat yeah, style yeah. you know photos of people made for characters um 
and this game in spirit kind of feels like the second coming of that game i guess but yeah art wise is much more coherent and like solid as far as like building an actual world which is weird hmm. yeah right it definitely feels like a space like uh, uh something that is sort of widely reported about dong dong never die is that it not only has like a, a story mode but also that story mode is literally the story of terminator 2 whereas uh <laughs> ultra fight ducky Hunter 2 is despite being ultra fight ducky Hunter 2 is actually its own sort of weird it's its own weird self-contained aesthetic and that really helps carry the game in, a, in, a, in an interesting kind of way like it's cool to be playing this game where someone does something absolutely nonsensical and then a big like sort of uh, a big picture of that character's face with all of the wrinkles on that character's face drawn in like a weird uh, you know mouse pencil comes like up on the screen and they say it's like person of a win quote comes up it's always cool when that happens but it's even cooler when that fits together with your slightly patchy ideas of how the aesthetic of the game's world exists like yeah it's a game that kind of seems like hastily made at first glance hmm. um but the more you kind of get into it you know the more like consistent and like considered a lot of it is right yeah yeah it's it's a game that has the appearance of a game with no rules which makes it all the more satisfying to discover what those rules are yeah that's a that's a ultra fight decanta too again it's just free so you can just play it you can just go download it yeah and in five minutes you can be playing it right after this podcast yeah and you should because it's it's a lot of fun and it, it like it, you know even if it doesn't completely uh you know change your life and you spend the rest of your life playing it, it's a great way to spend an evening so like yeah and it's one of those games that you can kind of just because it's using so many character archetypes and stuff that are so familiar um and because the controls are like so simple and, and pared down you can play it with like basically anybody yeah you can wheel it out to anyone and be having an awesome time just like that like, yeah within a minute everybody kind of understands what's going on and if they don't <laughs> that's half the fun of it right? Yeah, right exactly yeah yeah because you never really know what's happening <laughs> yeah pretty much all right with that, I think we'll move on to our last segment, which is questions. Okay, yeah. So, in terms of questions this week, we actually have a question left over from last week uh, that just uh, missed the submission window. Uh, so, last week we were talking about we were talking about Senko. So, actually, the, the this is just a general question. I thought this question might relate to what we played last week, but it didn't. So, uh, yeah, so this question comes from Azakel via Discord, which is that uh, there have been a bunch of extremely good fighting game lights released in the last couple of years, brackets, Nidhogg, Samurai Gun, Lethal League, Dive Kick, etc. So games that aim for the sort of decision space or, like, I guess, ideas of fighting games, but with, like, uh, you know, a different set of mechanics or, like, different focus, right? Like, you know, Lethal League yep. is about... Mm -hmm. Uh, baseball or whatever nidhogg is about fencing but they both have the same sort of i guess concepts they're pitched to the same people as fighting games so these games yeah they have the very much the same uh kind of focus on spacing and right competitive yeah exactly play. they're sort of the same it's, they're like symmetric games with a lot of completeness to them right like the, the actions that you perform always matter so uh these games get a lot of buzz and great critical reception but they don't seem to have anything like the staying power that trad fighting games do why do you think that is so why do you think that is? Um, part of it is just like it's hard to get a small game to stick in um, the popular mindset. Mm, yeah, like it's it, like the reality of marketing budgets is going to be a huge part of that, right? Like if if you took exactly Street Fighter Five and had it made by a five person team out of a shed, 
it wouldn't do anything like as well because they don't have the money to spend on putting it on everything, right? Yeah, right. Like, even games that people don't like um, that are big, people feel obligated to talk about. I mean, I think, like, this year there was a Far Cry game and, like, Days Gone or something. And, you know, those got a lot more press than anything like this. Like, one of these games is going to get, like, one-off video from the major game sites Mm. and maybe get played casually on, like, a casual stream or something like that. But they never kind of uh, stick in the mind because, you know, there's not a lot of um, people talking about it. And also the reality is that people don't read about games that they haven't heard of before, right? Yeah, it's it's like, it's sort of, you know, people who write about indie games sort of constantly talk about how hard it is to actually get coverage of these games out there because nobody actively looks for it. Like, well, not no, nobody, yeah, but tiny like, amounts of people, right? Yeah, and I run a small game site, and I do videos on, like, basically a bunch of indies, and, you know, I get maybe 100, 300 people who watch a video, if I'm lucky. Yeah, and it's it's a a kind of a, I guess it's a kind of selection bias that is, like, likely to apply to both of us, and also the kinds of people who would be listening to this podcast, which is that, like, we pay a lot of attention to games writing about any kinds of games, and the people who do that writing are going to be quite often in communities or sometimes even offices with people with whom that they can play local multiplayer games, right? So, like, when mm-hmm. these re- review yeah. copies of these games turn up, they're going to say, oh, yeah, these games are really cool. Everybody should play them. And then those reviews are going to go out to the people who read that stuff, and most people are going to say, I don't have people I can regularly play local multiplayer games with. <laughs> yeah, and, like, just not being able to play with people online makes like a lot of that impossible yeah right and not having kind of like that structure of you know you can get a game anytime Mm. yeah exactly like uh, a lot of these games still do have uh online features like i think lethal league has online matchmaking divekick definitely did but because they are you know you get this feedback effect from these games not having the level of marketing clout that your your street fighters your mortal combats do where you know, people get these games. Like, if you get a game, if you get a copy of Street Fighter Five now and you power it up and you go online and just search for a match, you'll find one super quick. Whereas with Lethal League, you probably won't, because those communities will be, you know, small numbers of diehards by now, and like they probably won't be playing all the time. Whereas some number of people are playing Street Fighter Five all the time. Yeah, you're basically the only bet to get like games for to get any games for um smaller titles is just like to be on on discord right that exactly. regularly plays them and like have a scheduled time to meet up with yeah people. and that already um, filters out you know 99.9 percent of people who play video games yeah because most people just want to jump on and have fun with the right, game exactly. right they're not gonna like schedule their life to play the game they don't because there is a point where you kind of like even if games like this are fun um not everybody's going to find them so fun that you know they're going to seek more competition so they can improve at it yeah. and you know you know schedule their life around mm. you know a small game that they like yeah it's just going to be something that kind of wheel out of a party and everyone's gonna be like oh this is awesome what it's called and then you'll never see it yep, again pretty much <laughs> which like i make my business to like <laughs> be the person who always brings some random game that nobody's heard of yeah but it's it is really hard just to even get somebody to sit down and give something to try and then um a lot of times when they do give something to try you know, there's a lot of, like you said, that selection bias. Um, that also makes people very, that can make people close-minded yeah, yeah. to things that are different. Mm. Or, you know, you'll see, like, a lot of these things um, 
be considered oh this isn't a real fighting game right right yeah people, there are definitely people out there who say that like we definitely um <laughs> go very much in the opposite direction when we're like video ball is a fighting <laughs> yeah, game exactly video puyo puyo tetris is a fighting game um but there's also people who like if it doesn't have this this and this it's not a fighting game smash isn't a fighting game yeah um, pocket tournaments is a, a fighting game or whatever yeah um and so yeah just not having that kind of Unfortunately, a lot of things are just kind of driven by marketing in that way because of all those knock-on effects that mean you so many people get to see it and then um, so many people stick around. Like, a lot of people don't like Street Fighter V. Yeah. Um, they would be playing a different Street Fighter if they could, but Street Fighter V is the one that everybody's playing, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, if, if even, you know, 10% of the people who have elected not to play Street Fighter V and you know, say that they would prefer to play Street Fighter Three. Were actually playing Street Fighter Three, like <laughs> the number of people on that game would shoot up by a factor of fifty. But you know, the fact is that they are because it's it's a lot of effort to do that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, as, as and if you're a competitive person, um, the competition and the money behind these big games is going to draw you know the best to them, and you're going to get. Uh, you know the best uh competitors to watch yeah right it's just like an it's just like an infrastructure thing at the end of the day right like you know yeah like those things kind of loop into each yeah. other and like like famously melty is a huge game that has um <laughs> kind of gone on forever mm. and probably has one of the biggest niches and um community supports in it and just the other day somebody was telling me that the character that they picked up nobody had any tech for them yeah right, right. that does happen that does happen so you're just you just end up being like okay either I pick a different character or I'm gonna be the person who you know writes the guide for this character yeah, sometimes yeah. and that you know that's a lot of effort to put into something that you might just be doing to have you know a quick game a quick fun yeah. game. So yeah, that's basically the long and short of it. Marketing is expensive. People can put the effort in, but most people don't, and they probably shouldn't have to, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so, like, my my thing is, if you love something, like, tell everybody about it. And if you say that you're open-minded and you want something um, fresh and new that explores different ideas, like, unfortunately, you're going to have to, like, make the effort to, you know, find it, right? Yeah, yeah. To, like, find the people who know and, like, uh, like give them, give these games a chance because uh, just, like, they're not going to... They're sadly not going to get the attention without, you know, your effort or support. Ultimately, it's like a, it's like an expectations thing, right? Like, I think it's unreasonable to mm. even expect that the Lethal Leagues of the world will ever be as big as the Street Fighters of the world. But it's, I, I think it's perfectly fine that these games, you know, sell a bunch of copies at launch enough for the, uh, the developers to feel like they can continue doing what they're doing and then have their fate be that at meetings of people one of whom happens to know about lethal league that game gets wheeled out and say hey look at this and a bunch of people say oh wow this game's really cool and they don't need to yeah lethal league lethal league has done well enough that they they're still supporting it mm. they just released a new character yeah yeah i think they released two characters at this point mm. um and there's like a decent discord that you know is always getting games on it yeah. and it's kind of gonna always be one of those things where these games are only gonna find that small community and you kind of it's up to the people who care about them to kind of uh, have them flourish. Yeah. And the yeah. people who want to see them succeed, you know, stay open-minded and, uh, you know, give them a chance. Yeah. Like, it's perfectly okay for games to have small communities, I guess is what I'm saying about this. Yeah. Like, it's definitely not a reasonable um, 
like you said, it's not a reasonable expectation mm-hmm. to have yeah. a huge community. Um, I wish there was a huge community for Nidhogg 2. Hell yeah. I wish Nidhogg 2 would show up on an Evo stage, right? Yeah, like if, if if all these games got communities the size of uh, Mortal Kombat 11, like I would be, I would be fucking, I would be at Pocket Rumble Evo in the fucking blink of an eye. That would be awesome. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's just how it is. You know, money lol. <laughs> yeah, capitalism. <laughs> da, 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 da. Next question. <laughs> So this kind of ties into that question. Um, Big from the Waypoint Discord says, B-movies and such have a cult following in the West, but the video game equivalent, Kusoge, which Kianta is, which we have talked about, um, really doesn't, outside of some outliers, except for like Shrek Super Slam and Jackie Chan in Fist of Fire. And why do we think that is? So this is something I have a sort of a lot of opinions about, and I don't really, I don't know, like, I get varying levels of pushback about these opinions, but like, I I feel like people's attitude to I I I find myself disagreeing a lot with people's attitude to being so, things being so bad that they're good and so on and so forth. Like I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like layers of irony and almost self deception with that kind of thing, and I don't really subscribe to any of it. I basically just. I, 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 at some point I stopped saying things were so bad that they were good and just said they're good. The, the thing that looks bad but is good, it's actually just good. And that's me. That's that's how I treat yeah. this kind of thing. So, like, I think it's... It's a very new sincerity. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I guess uh, when, when we talk about this, you know, uh, this, this tracking of, like, between video games and... Uh, film i don't know it's it's interesting i wonder what the uh i wonder what the the like you know the asymmetry is there between those those appreciations do you have any thoughts on this i think the, the expectations are just so weird mm. between the two um because we expect so many different layers of things from a video mm. game whereas the movie we kind of just expect it to be entertaining right yeah i mean there are similar like sort of parallels like something might automatically be labeled a b-movie if the the quality of its you know b-movies are often horror movies right and something might automatically mm-hmm. be labeled a, a b-movie if even though its tone is completely serious the practical quality of its say its gore effects are low budget right that might automatically label something a b-movie and a movie might have to work hard to dispel that in a way that you would sort of you know that might track to the production yeah. quality of a video game right but then yeah there's there's similar things like that but then there's also like a movie just kind of has to entertain you and sometimes seeing like the not great special effects is entertaining in its own right yeah right. and people kind of accept that in a different way um something not being as technically proficient in a video game might you know hinder you from like actually playing the video game mm. and so like while I don't personally care a lot of people kind of treat it like they treat the video game part of that as like a machine yeah right and if yeah, the machine yeah. doesn't work it can't be a good machine yeah. which i think is wrong for a lot yeah. of reasons yeah um because i don't think video games are machines i think they're you know pieces of art and um new productions and things like that can uh even low production can kind of instill certain qualities and things that can be you know additive mm. um having high polish isn't always additive to an experience either yeah totally there's lots of uh games like the ones i talked about earlier like you know those far cries or days gone Mm. that you know have hollywood levels of budget um and nonetheless are you know 
probably worse than most of the Kusoge. Yeah, boring <laughs> like, and bad is what, is, is what we are dancing around. They're boring here. and bad, but they look yeah. nice. Um, but those aren't those aren't B games, right? Right, exactly. So I mean, so I guess the just uh, because of the level production. When when whenever someone like whenever people talk about the differences between the attitudes of something in film to the attitude of something similar in video games, I guess the thing that I sort of in like want to think about ascribing it to is the the relative youth of video game appreciation as an idea right like people have been thinking about thinking about film for way longer than they've been thinking about thinking about video games so maybe it's to do with that like maybe in 10 20 years uh, more like the the kinds of people who are having these conversations now will be the kinds of people who are having you know creating niche communities of appreciating video games like be video games right like maybe that's a thing yeah and I think those exist. Those communities sure, definitely, definitely exist. Like I actually, like I actually, um, think there is a large uh, Western community of people who you know enjoy these smaller mm-hmm. games. And like I said, uh, things like Discord have really helped kind of bring those yeah, in. Yeah, totally, totally. Like I've definitely seen a ton of Discord for like pretty much every niche game. I'm in one for like you know every Super Nintendo game and Neo Geo fighting games. And there's people there, you know, making setups for Game Boy color fighting games mm. and neo geo pocket yeah. games all those kind of things um sailor moon's got a big one kianta's got a big one um uh the the communities definitely exist they're just kind of uh, harder to follow unless you like intentionally go looking for them yeah um yeah. and then same on the same subject of you talking about like this being a younger medium it's also one that's like from the jump been very strictly tied to um consumerist thought and like very capitalist ideas Mm -hmm. of what quality looks like um whereas film has kind of um been able to detach itself from kind of like the reality of those productions and stuff like people who like film love talking about production and how things are made and things like that but they don't um consider that an inherent um definer of quality right yeah yeah. there's very much a more traditional fine arts approach that exists to film mm. Mm. yeah and that's something that we're like, that's something that people who think about video games are still sort of working on defining the uh, the rubric for right right like uh very few reviews that you see um and this is changing a lot recently and there's been like a big push to kind of change it like you won't but for like a lot of big mainstream stuff you're not gonna have somebody go on for a long time about like the composition of a cutscene or something mm. right or the way specific games use color or different elements of art and things like that. Yeah. Where that's kind of more normalized. Um, like that kind of art language has penetrated deeply into other mediums already. Yeah. Um, where it kind of hasn't here. Like the, we kind of developed our own way of talking about things that um, might even have existing terms to describe yeah. them. Like there are existing art terms that we don't talk about. Um, and we use different language that, like, unfortunately has been kind of uh, solidified by marketing and things like that. Which also kind of, like, makes it a little bit harder to, you know, um, detach those from, you know, the kind of, you know, it's, it's hard to detach the fine art from mm-hmm. the capitalist part, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, fine art has, like, never been attached to capitalism, because if you just look at history, like like look at the people who are funding all these big artists and classical artists that everybody respects mm-hmm. um but there's definitely a more of a side um that's been developed in other mediums that we haven't got to yeah yet. yeah 
I guess if I had to like conjecture even more wildly as to why this difference exists, uh, it's there's like a I guess uh, it's tempting to sort of say that it might be to do with the uh, the central like act of you as you would say consumption for film to be like a, a like a shared experience, right? Like you go to the theater to see a film mm-hmm. with people or even just in the presence of other people, whereas the base right. mode of consumption for a video game is like it's a it's a product, right? It's something that you buy and keep in your home and you know. Traditionally, you get used traditionally you use it alone, right? Like video games, mm-hmm. it's 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 widely known now that video games can be enjoyed as a group, but but you know that's not the uh, the typical conception of that, I guess, and that might feed into why yeah, most games aren't made. Like yeah, that, and that yeah. might feed into why like video games being viewed as a product means that the, sort of the the idea of the B game sort of took longer to emerge, right? Because there was there was more temptation to treat it as a defective product, I guess. Yeah, and like. To some degree, there's a group of people who, like, seek out things that aren't well-made now. Mm. Like, there's... You very you see a lot of people complain about games just, like, being, like, a streamer bait or whatever, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Because there's just, like, these low-quality... These low-quality um, games that people just kind of put out just to kind of laugh with an audience about. Um, and I think there's... Uh, that's like a dynamic that this is really hard to break down and is going to, you know, put us in an even longer tangent. But I think that does sort of help, you know, get a, get a lot more of that B game, uh, appreciation out. Cause like, I think there's a lot of games that are janky and get terrible reviews, but still continue to have like a big community about mm, them. I remember yeah. like to tie back to that horror thing, the Friday the 13th game, um, nobody talked about that game. It kind of just came out of everyone like, yeah, yeah, there's something there, but this game's so broken, nobody will ever do it. And it just kind of like ended up being like a huge thing that streamers did forever and like, you know, had built a, a big community around um, and continued to be played. And then stuff like Dead by Daylight um, has that same pull where, you know, it continuously gets updated and makes money. Yeah, it has yeah. a bunch of people playing and watching it, but you'll never hear anybody in the mainstream um, talk about yeah, it. Yeah. And then, you know, so it's just part part of that is also just the optics again, yeah, right? right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so we got a really on a really um far tangent, but JMD from the uh, same waypoint Discord um, is piggybacking on Big's question and asks if we think Kusoge is defined differently in the West because a large bunch of the Western Kusoge, like um the ones listed before, are tied to like major properties, like things like uh, Shrek. Uh, Super Slam, and there's also games like Shaq Fu and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that have um, become big main games that like Combo Breaker this year. It's an interesting idea, right? Like, uh, this is something that I've always been like, I was always aware of when I was like sort of just starting to think about thinking about video games. Was this uh, this conception that, that like there were what, what, what at the time we called movie tie-in games, which I'm not even really sure what the contemporary fate of is, but were universally considered to be bad and were just like, you know, they were very much... Anything licensed. Yeah, licensed. Yeah. Like, like, typically speaking, licensed stuff was bad, and if it was good, it was a surprising exception for it to be good. And, like, yeah. Which hasn't, like, been that true. Yeah. Like, a lot of it is pretty low quality, but there's been, like, consistently... Uh, licensed titles that are good oh, yeah, right? totally, but totally. that's just kind of the accepted uh 
knowledge about them at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time, it definitely, like, it definitely at least felt true. And I'm not going to argue that I was out there playing all of them. But, like, the, you know, the Surf's Up 2 video game was nothing to write home about. So, like... Right. (laughs) And there was, you know, in the PS2 era and stuff, where it became cheaper to make those. Yeah, yeah, for sure, um, sure. They became way more numerous. And there was a PS2 and... It was a PS2 in every home, so if you didn't build a, a, a PS2 game for your movie, you were literally like just throwing away money. <laughs> so, right. so I yeah, I wonder how this might tie into the uh, the differing conceptions of what actually qualifies as a a shit game or indeed a Kuso game. Yeah, I think that's useful to um, go back to because we talked about Sailor Moon earlier, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's kind of tied into the thought of why that took so long to. Um, get going right, yeah, yeah like people like i found because now um youtube's been surfacing all these videos and i found like tech videos for this from like five mm, years ago mm, right yeah before the scene like kind of blew up so people have been always been like labbing this game and showing off the weird tech and mechanics and stuff yeah in it. um same thing with like dragon ball z hyper dimension or whatever on the super nintendo like the communities kind of existed for them but a lot of people just you know they saw a licensed game and like well there's no way that could be good mm. and and there still feels like when I bring it places, there still feels like there's a little bit of that attitude. Like people are surprised that it can be any good. And the ways that it's broken um, are again, like additive to that game. But a lot of people look at it and be like, why would you make a game like this? Uh, why is this game so broken? And because it's like one, it's licensed and two, it like doesn't follow, you know, the general conventions of fighting games. Um, people look at it and be like why is this like this um this can't be a good game and they don't really look any deeper than that right yeah yeah it's hard to get over that additional jump of this is a licensed game it's probably not worth my time right um same thing with like team nt tournament fighters like super nintendo game has like a huge community again it's on that super nintendo discord um people play that a lot and there's a huge you know resurgence of people playing that competitively mm-hmm. because it's basically you know ninja turtles um ninja turtles version of you know super turbo yeah yeah with a little bit more spice tournament fighters has a really uh has like a really active online like twitter scene right like they'll they'll name search tournament fighters and retweet your stuff if you if you write about it yeah <laughs> it's really cool it's pretty big um but yeah it's really that despite the weird um fact that it's you know so tied to consumerism video games so mm. they are it's very um they're very wary of you know when that becomes uh really surfaced yeah yeah right it's like um it's like when you watch a bakugan or a Yu-Gi-Oh or something and you become very clear that they're trying to sell a toy mm, to you yeah yeah uh kind of in the same way that like a lot of people dismiss like a sentai or whatever right mm, because mm. um Sentai and Tokusatsu are like very obviously meant to like kind of sell toys and come up with color for new characters yeah, and yeah. stuff like that to like base merchandise around. Um, and to a degree, a lot of anime is too. Like every fucking Gundam series ever made <laughs> is about cool robots um, just by the nature of its production and how it has to sustain itself. Um, those gunpla kits are really making a lot of people a lot of money. Um, but we don't like it when it's surfaced because then, you know, it makes it very clear that we're, you know, being marketed to, right? We don't like to feel like we're being marketed mm, to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, it's, it's, um, 
Again, the problem's capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. I'll do a uh, in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at some point, we're just going to get on a wild tangent and um, explain Marx to the listeners or something. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> make the fucking, make the, make the Marx fighting game, somebody. Somebody out there. <laughs> the Marx fight. There's already a Les Mis yeah, fighting exactly. game. Put Marx in arm, Joe. Put Marx. They put Marx in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, and he was a fucking liberal. Bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can really say anything. I will just reiterate: the communities for these don't exist. <laughs> um, there's definitely people out there that you can play with. It's just small. You're gonna have to look yeah, for it, yeah. and they're not gonna get the marketing and buzz um that other places are so they won't get the visibility mm. there are people quietly doing work to bring you the best of the small titles um but you know you have to know where to find them and you gotta kind of put an effort into it which is you know it's not something that's just gonna fall into people's life so it makes it hard to you know see the efforts of the people who have been making this happen for you know yeah years. yeah but yeah i think the I think that's a good productive talk. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I I don't think we have any qu- other I questions. Think that's, I think Let that's me double check, but but I think yeah. that's it. Curly, what is going to be our speaking of Kusoge? What is going to be our next fighting uh, game? Our next game is the the biggest budget Kusoge of the ball. It is. Hang on, is it it's Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom Three? Fate of Two Worlds. Fate of yeah, Two Worlds. Fate of Two Worlds. <laughs> Hell yeah! Subtitles, baby. This is the big time Marvel Capcom crossover, the epitome of decades of collaboration between Marvel and Capcom, yeah. and one of the biggest, best known, and most loved entries in the yep. series. If you've ever seen people screaming about fighting games, there's a decent chance they were screaming about Marvel vs. Capcom, because it sure do make people when's, scream. Marvel. When's Marvel? Next episode, that's when. Next episode, it's true! Um, if you know, this uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 released on PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, PlayStation Vita, yeah. um, as well as PS4. I don't know if it's on Xbox One. It might be, but it's also on PC where you can frequently find it for cheap. That's where you can play it. If you do not play Marvel 3, I would read Patrick Miller's thing on the spirit oh, of yeah. Marvel yeah, yeah, yeah. at the least. Or watch that video of Yipes' commentary on Marvel mm. 2. And you'll understand. You will understand what Marvel is. Even if you don't quite understand <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody... Again, like Kianta, I don't think anybody ever truly understands that game. <laughs> but figuring it out is uh, a lifelong, enjoyable activity. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I even wrote a little bit about Marvel 2 in that, that big dumb video I made, which you should watch. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway... Where can the people find you on the internet while they're waiting for the next episode of this podcast, Armour? At Cigarettes. That's S-I-E-G-A-R-E-T-T-E-S. That is where I will be personally telling you about all the small fighting games you've never heard of and begging you to fucking play them. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going through them at a, an unprecedented clip. I've seen at least 10 in the last two weeks from you. Uh, I've done... <laughs> I've done like maybe 50 reviews of games this year, Ooh. I think, and like another 50 videos on other ones that might not have any crossover. Oh, yeah. I cover a lot of games. <laughs> uh, 
um, including, you know, Kianta and Roof Rage and all those other small fighting Hell games. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just hit me up on Twitter and I will direct you to all my other uh, work that I do a terrible job. That of good plugging. shit. Where can we find you, Curly? You can find me, as usual, at twitter.com slash curl underscore e underscore brace. And you can find my YouTube video pinned to that Twitter profile because that's the best place I could think to put it until I can decide on a vanity URL for my channel. Uh, yeah, I, I do bad tweets. I tweet about the videos that I'm making and I tweet about all the thoughts that don't end up in videos because they're slightly too incongruous. But uh, other than that, that's, that's that's basically that's basically it. Oh yeah, you can find Hazel who did our awesome theme tune at twitter.com slash twinklepox. She's great. Give her your give her your, your views, give her your clicks by her stuff on Bandcamp. That's about it for today, and until next time. You better go fight some more. Oh, that's a good